0: Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for such great love for us in Christ Jesus. Through this word, this message this morning, touch our hearts. Help us to find the comfort we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's impossible in this day and age not to think about suffering, the topic of suffering, Death and suffering are all around us, aren't they? So when you take a look at Afghanistan, our hearts go out to the people right now in Afghanistan and what's happening there, especially the women and even young women or girls as young as age 12 who are being taken and basically sold into sex slave wives. This is in the news just recently. And that type of suffering is so horrific, we can barely take a look at it, right? We can't have our gaze on that very long. But it's not just out there, is it? I mean, for the past 18 months, we've been dealing with COVID. And there are people that we know in this congregation, friends and family, who have dealt with COVID or have died from COVID. So they're suffering from that. But it's not just COVID, is it? I mean, we, we've we been talking about cancer, heart issues, lung issues, infirmities of various age. Things like that are causes of suffering. But it's not even just on the physical side, is it? I mean, you take a look and there's a lot of people with a lot of very broken relationships right now, or they might be on hard financial times and don't know where to turn. Where you take a look, almost any place in life, there is suffering. And it becomes almost debilitating, right? Even just talking about it. It becomes very heavy, very dark, and we want to turn our gaze away from it. But when you take a look at the Bible... The Bible really doesn't shy away from suffering at all. It gives us a very realistic, a very realistic picture of the human condition, because everybody deals with suffering one way or another. But because it gives a realistic condition, uh, realistic uh, view of suffering in humanity. The Bible doesn't just stop there. It also gives us hope. And if you only take one message away, this would be it. In the midst of suffering, God's message is one of unshakable hope. I'll say it again. In the midst of suffering, God's message is one of unshakable hope. And we are going to find that unshakable hope in God's love given to us in Christ Jesus. And in him, we find eternal comfort. Suffering and comfort. I mean, the two really go hand in hand in Scripture. They are so intertwined. You really can't talk about comfort without talking about affliction or suffering of some sort, right? They are intertwined. And when you start to read Scripture, you realize this. The intertwining of suffering and comfort shows us the heart of God's love for us. Where His people have cried out, He has provided comfort from that suffering. This is the perspective we must have during our life. As followers of Christ Jesus. Because when you have that perspective, you have unshakable hope. So today we're going to take a look at three different parts. God comforts us in our affliction so that we may comfort others and rely on Him when suffering happens. Let's go to the first part God comforts us in our affliction. It starts off this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. When you think of finding comfort in the midst of hard times, where do you go? Where do you go to find comfort? I mean, a lot of people go for food, right? We call it comfort food. I mean, Who doesn't like a good pint of Haagen-Dazs ice cream? Right? Like, okay, or maybe you have your other favorite. But we try to comfort ourselves when we're not doing well with food, or TV, or shopping. Some people use alcohol. Some people use drugs. But here's the question. Does it really provide lasting comfort It doesn't, does it? At best, it's a distraction from the actual issue at hand. So this is why Paul starts off this way. He starts off by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Here we see that God is the source of all true mercy and comfort you want to find the source of mercy and comfort, it is found in God and Him alone. Now, this word mercy, by the way, can also be translated as compassion. And what is compassion? Compassion isn't just an an intellectual word. I mean, when I say mercy, right, you've heard that word so much, it sounds kind of like a churchy word, doesn't it? a Bible word, and it really doesn't really mean much for us. But when you start to think about compassion, you understand that there's an emotional aspect to it, and it is something that has you reach out to another. So I was thinking about um, at the beach, in Minnesota, beach in the summer, right? And you got families there, and there's maybe a little boy or girl who's standing at the very front of the lake crying out, where's my mom? Where's my dad, right? Now dads will do this. Moms will be like, ah, right? The heart starts pounding. And while dads aren't even doing much, the moms are already all practically all there surrounding and giving comfort to this child, right? You get that. Now, it's not that fathers, men, don't have compassion. I mean, I, I think about my dad, who we stopped along the roadside, a lot of country traveling, uh, picking up hitchhikers, stopping to help fix a car along the way. That's also compassion. So you understand mercy, compassion, has this compelling move to reach out and help another. Jesus has That compassion. He had compassion on the crowds when they were with him for three days, and they had nothing to eat. It says he had compassion. Let's get them something to eat. In uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, it says this in a different account. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus saw these people, and he had compassion on them, right? So you get the compassion of Jesus. I want you to understand the mercy, the compassion of Jesus that Jesus had for the people is the same mercy and compassion that the Father had. Has for you. This is why Paul starts off this way. He says, Blessed, it's with thanksgiving. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Notice that he says, the God of all comfort, not just a little bit of comfort, but that God the Father is the source of all true comfort. So when you are in your suffering, When you are in your affliction, when there is nowhere else left to turn, or so it seems, God is there for you. He is there for you in that suffering. For He says, God who comforts us in all our affliction. Listen, this is practically the same message as last week when I talked about Jesus being our advocate and that we can go to him in prayer for everything because he is there for you. From 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Jesus has mercy and compassion and is an advocate for you, just as the Father has mercy, compassion, and is for you. And when you realize and receive his comfort, you can give that comfort to others. Let's continue on here. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7 which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Now that word comfort's used a lot there, isn't it? As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the word comfort shows up in this letter more than any other letter or gospel in the New Testament. So when a word is repeated so much, we have to pause and take a look at it. Just like we did last week with the word testimony, we actually have to pause and take a look at the word comfort, because comfort is more than just a hug, which, by the way, that can be very comforting, but it's more than that, so comfort. If you want to take a look at it in the original language, it would mean to call alongside of. Or a literal translation, one who is called to someone's aid. Or one who is an advocate for another. This is really what the word comfort means. So, in our affliction, God comes alongside us. He encourages us, helps us, and exhorts us. God comes alongside you to help, to encourage, to exhort, to lift up. I like how one commentator put it. He said, He strengthens the knees of the weak, tired arms and sagging spirits, so that we can face the troubles of life with unbending resolve and unending assurance. So this is what God the Father does for you. He comforts you in in, in, in your affliction. So how does he do that, though? The primary way he does that is by having you look at his Son, that you would look at Jesus Christ, the one who suffered for you. Now, it's important when you take a look at the suffering of Jesus to know that he didn't deserve any of it. He didn't deserve to suffer. He he had done nothing wrong. But yet, his life was one in which there was great suffering. He began his ministry by being tempted by the devil of suffering thirst and hunger. He was harassed by men. His life was under threat. He was flogged. He was beaten. He was put on the cross. He was pierced in his side. And he suffered. And on the cross, he bore all the suffering, the sin of the world. All the suffering. All the sin. All the complete separation from God the Father. And it all bore down on him. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is the cry of true, full suffering of the full sin of the world, separated from God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took what David had wrote, written, what David had cried out, and he said, this It's the full weight, the full wrath of God, right then and there. That's what he bore on the cross. And he didn't deserve it. He did it for your sake, for the compassion, the mercy that he has for you. You see, when you look at the cross you should find a symbol of great comfort. We find the great love, the compassion of the Father and the Son for the broken and the lost. So in the midst of suffering that you have, when you too want to cry out, My God, my God, where are you today? I need you today. When you cry out to him, You cry out to one who knows your suffering and can provide that comfort. You can go in Scripture and find words of assurance. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2 Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. From our gospel reading today, today in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And from Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you or forsake you. These are the comfort found in in Christ Jesus and his word now god may not remove always remove the afflictions we know that right for a fact we know that god may not always remove the afflictions that come our way but god always comforts by giving the fortitude to face them so when we realize the comfort of God for us in Christ Jesus, we start to understand the life that we can have even in the midst of suffering. Look, Paul in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians wrote this But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, here's what Paul knew. Paul knew when you are strengthened by his Jesus, by his power, by his love, by his comfort, you can share, then, that comfort with others you have an unshakable hope. Look, there is true tragedy in Afghanistan right this very day, right? They do not need platitudes. They need an unshakable hope that will carry them through no matter what. Let me give you an example. This is uh, from a, a Romanian pastor. When Romania was still under communist rule, a Christian pastor commented on the book of Revelation, the favorite book of the Bible for his people. They loved the book of Revelation because he said it was written by John, a pastor of the church in Ephesus when he was exiled. Romanian Christians know what it is to be exiled and imprisoned. They suffer as the early Christians suffer, desperately abused and subjected to cruelty. They read Revelation and hear the clear message, God has the final say. This, said the Romanian pastor, is very different from how you North American Christians look at Revelation. You are fascinated with historical details, trying to work out precise future plans and speculations. You wonder about the rapture, and you hope you will never suffer. We, he said, suffer. And in the midst of that suffering, we hear God speak to us through the prophet. It was a message of comfort in the midst of their suffering, a word of hope in a dark time of evil, a message that all is not lost, God maintains control. This is what people in suffering need to hear, that God is sovereign, that he loves you, and that love is given to you in Christ Jesus. And it is an unshakable love. It is an unshakable hope. That's the message We need to be able to share with others in the time of suffering. Yes, coming alongside and sitting next to them, sometimes that's the best thing you can do is just to sit next to someone. At the same time, to be able to pray with them, to give them a prayer, a message of God's love for them in Christ Jesus, a message of unshakable hope. Because you know what? Suffering does happen, no matter how much we try to avoid it. Verse 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Listen, to be a follower of Jesus is to understand that there is suffering, and Christians aren't exempt from that. Not at all, not whatsoever. It's not that we look for some for suffering, but we expect it. And why do we do that? Because we have a complete worldview. We start in the garden where all was good. And there was no death. There was no hardship. There was no strife. There was no murder. There was no hunger. There was no thirst. And now, after the fall, there's all of that and more. Listen, this was a hard sermon to write because I have 14 pages of scripture about human suffering. And it was depressing to read so much about that. That's the human condition. But we know it doesn't end there, right? Take a look at the book of Revelation. How does it end? With a new heaven and a new earth. All tears will be dried. There will be rejoicing. We know how it ends. And we have a worldview in which we can understand suffering, suffering because of sin. But apart from a Christian worldview, there is no understanding of suffering. There is simply just an avoidance of suffering. No other worldview makes sense of suffering or pain, especially if there is no God. Look, all you have to do is read Ecclesiastes. In some parts, it was really depressing because he says, without God... You might as well just give it up and die. Everybody goes to the grave. Look, without God, we're just cosmic accidents that happened to come to life somewhere along the way. And in that cosmic accident of coming to life, we think, well, life really has no purpose. Life has no meaning. And so pain, any pain, should be avoided. As a matter of fact, the worldview now says, I have the right to, be a, to have a pain-free life. That's what the world says right now, apart from God. I have the right to have a pain-free life. And so there is a movement in greater steam regarding euthanasia, Right? killing someone because they might be suffering. Somebody alerted me that this week, and it's true, I I researched it, there's a a mom in Quebec that wants to kill her four-year-old child because he has some mental and physical disabilities, so she doesn't want him to suffer, so let's just kill him. This is a worldview of utter despair. Now, I, I looked at some moms. Some moms are like going, no! You know, how could you do that? In that worldview, there is no cross. And if there is no cross, there is no hope. But Paul had great hope, didn't he? He says this in Second Corinthians chapter 11. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure... Anybody want to try to top Paul? He suffered, didn't he, greatly, danger, conflict. And yet, he says all of this was to point him and to rely on God alone. It was to rely on God alone. He says in our reading from today, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Paul didn't rely on his intellectual abilities. He didn't rely on the wealth or power of his friends. He didn't rely on his own wits. All of that ultimately was just taken away And he had to rely on God alone. You see this, sometimes in our lives, pain is God's way of turning your heart back to him and him alone. And I know some of you know this. And I know some of your friends and family know this as well. Pain is often God's way of having you turn back to him and him alone. Now, I've told a number of you, um, I, but we have a lot of new folks. I had back surgery, uh, I think about 15 years ago or so, and, I thought, and ultimately I thought it was the worst decision in my life that I'd ever made. Um, I was in pain afterwards. It was one of the darkest times of my life, bar none. And I I said a prayer, and it was a prayer that I could just barely eke out. I said, God, let this be to your glory. It wasn't done with great fervor. It wasn't done with much strength whatsoever. I said, God, let this be to your glory. And God has... Use that for me to be able to comfort others. Turning back to God and having us rely on Him alone. Finding comfort in God. So we've kind of come back full circle now, haven't we? We've come back all the way to the Father who is of all mercy and all comfort. So this morning... This week, because I know there's suffering in this congregation and I know you have friends and family who are suffering, spend some time at the foot of the cross meditating upon the mercy and compassion that God has for you. Think about this. How has God come alongside you? Remember, that's comfort, to come alongside. How has God come alongside you in your time of suffering and pain? And who in your life needs to hear about the love and comfort of Jesus? Because remember, in the midst of suffering, God's message is one of unshakable hope. And to that we all say, amen.